0: Good morning. Happy Easter. Let's stand up and celebrate that he's alive this morning. awake now. (laughs) Happy Easter. It is such an exciting day and we just had to start with that exciting song. It's such a great thing to know that he is alive and that we are here just to celebrate that this morning. Let's sing together. thank you so much for this glorious day, Lord. We just, we stand in awe of all that you have done for us, Lord, and we just praise the fact that you are here and that you are alive and that you are just dwelling within us today. Lord, help us just shine for you today. In your name I pray. Amen. you.
1: you to turn and greet your neighbors and children we invite you to come forward to join us for a few moments of sharing.
2: Good morning everybody. Happy Easter. It is so nice to see you all here and everybody looks so nice this morning. I'm glad you could join us. All right. There are many things that remind us of Easter. There's flowers, chocolate bunnies, pretty Easter baskets, but one thing that we all think of when we think about Easter is what? Easter eggs, you're right. How many of you have ever been on an Easter egg hunt? Yeah, those are fun. You are? Oh, good, you have fun. Find lots of eggs this afternoon. All right, but have any of you ever wondered why we use an egg to represent, to, to use on Easter what an egg has to do with Easter? What do you think? Yeah, chickens, I think of chickens when I think of eggs. What? A, what a, they what? I think Lauren already read my children's sermon. She got it just right. Lauren, you're exactly right. All right, I want everybody to take an egg, if you would, and just pass the basket back. Here, if I get an egg, I don't know. Somebody's wondering if there's something in it. Shake it and see. Is there anything in it? There's nothing in there. It's empty. Uh oh. Okay, y'all be careful. Here, let me pass them back. Here goes, Sweet pea. Okay. Okay. Uh-oh. Here goes. Who else needs an egg? You need it? Does Stella Ross have an egg? Can you hand her an egg? You got her an egg? You need an egg, Lauren? You need egg. Oh, yours is empty too? Oh, no. Does anybody else have an empty egg? Uh-oh. Do you need an egg? Everybody have an egg? Okay. Open it up and see. Are they all empty? Did you get an egg? Do you want an egg? They're all empty. Oh, goodness. All right, let's see what happened here. Well, as you know, when a mother hen sits on her eggs for a few weeks, uh, uh, the eggs begin to crack, and a little chick will come out. An egg means new life. It reminds us that there's a new life inside that can come out. And we celebrate Easter Sunday because that is a day that Jesus, as Lauren just said, came out of the grave, and he was alive. This morning, these eggs I brought, they were empty for a reason. I didn't forget to put anything in them. They remind us us that on Easter Sunday, when Jesus' followers went went to his tomb, the tomb was empty. It was empty, you're right. An angel was there to tell them, he is not here, he has risen. And just as he said, the grave is empty and Jesus isn't in there because he is alive. And because he is alive, we too can have a new life in him. So I want you to remember that about this Easter egg, that that's why it was empty. Okay? Can you pray with me? Dear Lord, today we celebrate the empty grave. We thank you that Jesus is not in the grave. He is risen, and because of that, we can have new life in him. Amen. And before you leave, I really do have an Easter treat up here for you.
1: Long about 3 o'clock this afternoon, these children will have had so much candy. You will not have seen those glorious dispositions since Halloween night, I believe. We are glad you're here today, especially if you're a visitor among us. We hope that you will... Uh, visit with us again and keep on coming until you feel truly a part of uh, this fellowship and want to make some official connection to us, you'd be welcome to do that. Um, We remind you that today we will be having Sunday School at 10 and our other service, uh, traditional service at 11 uh, and we invite you to remain for as much of these activities as you can. if you have some concerns this morning in prayer that you would like us to join you in, in, in your prayers, we'd ask you to fill out a, a prayer card, and if you raise your hand, we'll give you an index card that you can fill out, and um, we will share your prayer concern in a few moments and join you. And we do believe that there is power in corporate prayer, and we will uh, join you at this time. Children, you are reminded that this is a uh, day away from our usual activities being Easter. It's a family day in a lot of ways, and so our children's programs will not be meeting this evening, but we will return next week, so hope that uh, you will remember that. This has been um, kind of an interesting week for hospital times and whatnot. Um, One of our oldest members uh, Toby Wright was doing what Toby does best which is planting tomatoes uh, when he fell and broke his left femur his thigh bone uh, and had to have surgery Thursday wasn't it Corey Um, and is in intensive care at, at Greenville Memorial because his blood pressure is doing a little up and down thing, but Toby is uh, uh, an amazing guy. He's he's doing very well. Uh, he's having because of the pain medicine some interesting dreams, and tells me about where all he's been. And I tell you, it's a wonderful trip he's had. Really, he's <clears throat> I I uh, I don't believe it, but he really's enjoyed himself. So I'm who you know. <clears throat> so. Uh, but we've are we we've said all along, if any 94-year-old can, uh, can lick a broken leg, it's Toby Wright, and uh, our prayers are certainly uh, in line for that. We also have had a week where uh, we've had a death in the congregation. Dr. Paul Peoples, you may have seen that in the paper, Dr. Paul Peoples died this week uh, sort of unexpectedly, and his funeral was down around Hampton, Estill, South Carolina, yesterday. And so our thoughts and prayers are certainly with uh, Rita and other members of the family um, at this time. And also absent from us today uh, are the Farrens who are usually here with their uh, mini boys. Um, there was a significant death in in their uh, community out in Iowa this last week. Um, John Farron would tell you that he's fairly young at this Christian life and a man who was very responsible for his spiritual uh, awakening and growth. Uh, A physician just suddenly dropped dead last Monday. So um, I got the feeling in talking with John, this was someone like a father. And uh, we all know people that are like that to us. So remember John, especially in your prayers and the family as they journey back there and journey back here, um, dealing with a very significant death. Um, And there may be other concerns you want to share. If you've got those ready, if you'll raise them up, we'll have our prayer time together. If I, yep. Let us join our hearts together in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this day and all that it means to us. We're thankful for mystery in life. As we know that that was the first reaction on that first Easter to the resurrection of Jesus. It was a mystery to be solved and to be understood. And and only later in that day did the disciples come to understand the significance of the empty tomb we're so grateful that they went into all the world and their word their story is still spreading to us in our time how wonderful it is to know that Jesus left that tomb coming to life by the power of God having given himself for our sins and now living with us and for us forevermore, assuring us that beyond our own death and tombs is a resurrection for us as well. How grateful we are for this. These are our special prayers for this day. We pray, Lord, for Mike Haas and for Martha Gibson, for our troops in harm's Away, their families and loved ones, We pray for Toby Wright and for Nancy Kiefer and family. We pray for healing for two brothers, Ron and Gary, with some medical problems. We pray for healing for Jane Berg. We give you praise and thanks that Bill Klute's dad made great progress toward recovery this last week. Lord, these are our spoken prayers for this day, and there are others in people's hearts, and we, their brothers and sisters in faith, come together to join in praying for these various things. We bring these loving concerns before your throne of grace and mercy as we pray the prayer our Lord taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, witnesses to the resurrection <clears throat> the scripture lesson today comes from mark's closing words to us it has been noticed that mark is sort of the reader's digest gospel version he or maybe the dragnet version you know just the facts ma'am he just um you know very very slim um and it was enough for mark to end the gospel with these words Uh, A scribe later on filled in some extra words not to leave us hanging so much. But I think Mark had a reason for ending just like this with a a sudden uh, mystery. Listen to what he says. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified, he has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go, tell his disciples and Peter he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb and they said nothing to anyone because they were Afraid. Here ends the lesson. The scripture tells us that the early disciples were quite caught off guard by the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, they also rec- uh, tell us that very quickly and emphatically these same disciples began to believe in Jesus' resurrection due to things that they saw and experienced. Uh, beginning with the empty tomb, the despair of Good Friday turned into amazing joy by Sunday night a few days later. Uh, somebody by the way was asking me at, at Waffle House the other day they said maybe you can answer this if not you need to get another job and I said well they've been telling me that for forty years <clears throat> but I said how can it be three days? I said well you gotta understand a couple things. One is they counted days Today was day one, and any day that dawned is, is, a, is another day. They also started their days at 6 p.m. every day. So if Jesus died on Friday, a few hours later, it was Saturday early after 6 p.m. So that's two days already before the sun goes down. Uh, Saturday night at 6 o'clock began the third day. So that's how that, how that works out. Um, but it was this, this message, message about um, Jesus and the empty tomb that they went into the world to exclaim. And, and it reminds us that, um, that the message about the empty tomb is what really counts in life. Uh, it's not just the ethical teachings of Jesus that we remember. It is the fact that that cross on Friday Had extreme significance for our eternal destiny and the empty tomb on Sunday. Uh, Those were the important things to tell the world. That's why communion became so very important. Um, We don't have, uh, God so staged the resurrection that there's no way to prove it or disprove it. But we can look at the witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus that gives our faith a lift on a day like this. And so I want to look this morning at uh, the witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus. The first witness (coughs) to Jesus' resurrection is the empty tomb and the grave clothing The existence of the empty tomb created quite a problem for the civilian authorities as well as the religious authorities. So much of a problem that they had to make up a lie real quick. Somebody stole the body. Um, That's where that rumor came from. Peter and John raced to the tomb. Inside the tomb, they saw grave clothing. That seemed to eliminate the possibility of grave robbers because... They left valuable things behind, and robbers don't usually do that. There was something about the position of those grave, cloths, grave clothes that were um, uh, very awe-inspiring. It caused John to immediately believe, it says, made Peter stop and wonder what in the world it meant. Uh, the, the grave clothing had been left pretty much like it had been laid on, on Friday when they buried Jesus. The uh, uh, head cloth was still lying on the pillow-like ledge where they had placed Jesus' body in his head. Uh, Perhaps it still had a round shape to it. Um, The cloths which had covered the body were still in their place. One biblical scholar said that these clothes made it look like to those two disciples that Jesus' body had just vanished dematerialized in the thin air he had not been unwrapped or unwrapped himself uh, like Lazarus had done when he came out of his tomb it was like Jesus was resurrected and the shell that he had been in the clothing that he the, that he had been in were just left empty uh, right there and it was that that caused the disciples to believe there's a an interesting story I saw on the History Channel on Friday night. I believe it's going to be repeated tonight, and I really don't get a commission for telling you all this, but I thought it was really interesting. Uh, It's on that Shroud of Turin, which there's no way to prove or disprove that it was the burial cloth of Jesus, but you might want to watch it because a modern uh, artist dealing with uh, a computer uses the Shroud of Turin to reconstruct uh, as best he can, what it appears that Jesus would have looked like, like if indeed this was the burial cloth. It was fascinating to me, and I uh, uh, hope you'll watch that tonight. The, um, the second witness to the resurrection that I would like to share with you today is the fact that there is a New Testament. Now, Andy and I were talking about this the other, the other day. Whenever you read in the New Testament, the Scripture says this, and they obeyed the Scripture they're talking about the Old Testament. They didn't have any of the scripture in the first century church. The Old Testament was all they had. Why was there a New Testament written in such a short period of time and collected and maintained and guarded and copied? The existence itself of the New Testament uh, is a powerful witness to the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection was so magnificently important that that people took time to write it down. Now, this was a time in an era when it took all of your daily smarts and strength just to keep food on your table. Nobody was wealthy in those days except for the powerful Romans. Who's got time to learn how to write and to write something down? Well, you do if it's important enough. The early church said this is important enough. The existence of our New Testament is a witness to the resurrection of Jesus. A third witness to the resurrection is the lives and deaths of those first century Christians who gave their very lives literally, dying and telling others that Jesus was raised from death. It's an amazing catalog of what happened. Of those 12 original disciples, only one died of old age, John. The rest of them died some kind of violent death, a martyr's death. Peter, Andrew, Philip, Simon, Bartholomew all died by crucifixion. Matthew and James, the son of Zebedee, died by the sword. Thomas was speared to death while Thaddeus was killed with arrows. Jesus' brother James was stoned to death. None of them got rich. And no one got famous. So why in the world did they give up everything they had and go into the world to tell people about Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection? It is because they had been witnesses of these events. And they believed with all their hearts that Jesus was Lord. And they wanted the world to know. Their witness to us is a powerful, powerful witness to the resurrection. A fourth witness is the coming of the Holy Spirit a few weeks later in Acts chapter 2. In his sermon on Pentecost Day, Simon Peter stated that the Holy Spirit coming upon us is a testimony that Jesus is alive, because Jesus said that. He said, If if I go away, I'm going to send the Spirit to you. Uh, When I get to the Father's side, I will ask the Father, and He will send you the Spirit. Peter says that's what's happened. And God has raised Jesus to life, and we're all witnesses of that fact, he says. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Peter understood that the events of Pentecost, including the, the birthday of the church, was evidence that not only was Jesus alive, but Jesus had assumed command. At the right hand of the Father, the King of kings and Lord of lords. When we talk about the Spirit coming and being with us, we're saying a mouthful that would not be possible had it not been for the death and resurrection of Jesus. Another witness to the resurrection of Jesus is the day that we worship. Christians began worshiping not on the Sabbath day, which is Saturday, as had been their custom for generations, but rather on Sunday, the first day, the Lord's day as it became to be uh, be called. Uh, This went against their many years of religious training, but they reasoned that as important as resting on the day God rested when he created the world, it was more important to weekly remember the empty tomb. And so when we meet on Sunday, Uh, Our friends who remind us that it's not the Sabbath are absolutely correct. It is the Lord's day. But we meet because we want to proclaim that Jesus is alive and with us. It is the Lord's day and it has become more important in the Christian world ever since. The uh, sixth witness of the resurrection is the church. Not necessarily that beautiful structure. Excuse me but the church all over the world, the church of the Lord. The existence of the church is a powerful witness of the resurrection. Something managed to hold those people together uh, at a time when everybody was trying to destroy the church in in their time of persecution, in spite of their many personal differences. These were people from different cultures who sacrificed their cultural identity, to be known as Christians, and to, uh, to spread the good news. <clears throat> the thing that they had in common which uh, held them together was their common experience with the risen Lord. It is said in the book of 1 uh, uh, Corinthians that 500 of them were put together for prayer. That's as many as our sanctuary will hold. And uh, Jesus appeared to all of them at once. Uh, that must have been a marvelous experience. Um, the Christian community continued to exist and grew in numbers. Um, And the fact that there was a church caused the the, uh, Israelite scholar Gamaliel in the book of Acts to say, wait a minute, let's don't kill these people. They shouldn't be together. There's something unusual happening here. We may be opposing God. So... um, The existence of the church is a powerful witness. Someone has said that the empty tomb testifies to the resurrection of Jesus, but our empty chairs on Sunday morning deny that fact. There are several reasons why I come to church every Sunday. First of all, it is my job right now, and I have to be here. But as soon as not going to be my job, and I plan to still be there. I don't go to church because I like the preacher, although he's all right. (laughs) I don't go to church because I like the music, which I do in both services. I don't go to church because I love you people, which I do. But I come to church because I believe that Jesus is here. He is risen And he is with us when we gather in his name. Every week when I go to church, I'm finding one way that I can witness to the world, I believe Jesus came out of that tomb. I really believe he was alive. And I want to be with his people as we proclaim that Jesus is alive. He is risen. He's alive in my life. I also attend church because it's just one of the ways But maybe the best way that I can show God that I'm thankful for all the things he's done for me, his love, his forgiveness, and the eternal life. How do you plan to express your gratitude to God? Still another reason I come to church is that I need the church's influence on my life. I want God's values to impact my daily decisions. I really cannot live the Christian faith without your help and the help of the church I sometimes need you to help me through a time of, of depression or temptation I really worry about children who are not brought up in the church where are they going, where are they going to learn about God's love some years ago one of our Salkahatchee summer service projects we were working on this house and this little boy about six years old came down and said what are y'all doing and we said we're fixing up this house why are you doing that well we're doing it because we feel that this is what Jesus wants us to be doing this week little boy looked at us and says who's Jesus we thought what in the world how is a six-year-old child uh, alive in our world today and not know about the name of Jesus how sad it is someone has said that it's a painful thing to think how we neglect children and then labor with agonizing prayer about adults who aren't christians and maybe we've missed the best chance to reach them for the gospel when they're little i place a high priority in coming to church i hope you know that i believe it deserves a very high priority in our lives because it is a way that we witness to the resurrection of Jesus. But perhaps the greatest testimony to the resurrection of Jesus is the multitude of people whose lives have been shaped and changed by faith in Jesus Christ. From the thief on the cross, to people on death row, and alcoholics, and even a former slave trader like John Newton who wrote Amazing Grace, To average people like you and me with less meaning in their lives than they would like who need to know that God loves and accepts them as they are. By the hundreds of millions, they have become new creatures in Christ. And each one of them is a witness to the resurrection of Jesus. This time of year, I often think about a friend of mine named Pat. I met Pat when I was... uh, eighteen or nineteen and I was in college and he was in high school I met Pat when he was a very angry teenager a behavior problem at home and at school and at church but I was invited along with some others to go to his church for that weekend to share our faith and talk about what it meant for us to be Christians Pat was hostile toward us that whole week weekend and um, that night, though, on Saturday night, as we knelt at the altar and people were giving their lives to Christ, two or three of his little girl friends went out into the yard and found Pat, who had already left. And they began talking to Pat, and they said, Just come with us, just come back inside with us, and go down, let's pray together at the altar. Well, I don't know many 16-year-old boys that can stand being loved by three cute little girls who, who drag him to the altar. And uh, that night, Pat found himself giving his life to Christ. That following summer, I was the youth director down there for three months at his church. And Pat was my companion, my shadow. If I went to the hospital, he was there to go with me. If I went visiting someone, Pat said, can I come along? And we became such good friends. Pat went into the ministry, and he's now a professor of religion in a college. And I still hear from him from time to time. A changed life because some little girls convinced him to run a risk, to give his life to Jesus Christ and just see what would happen. The central message of the gospel is the Easter message that God's son rose at sunrise. May our faith be strengthened by all these witnesses of Jesus' resurrection and may we be faithful witnesses to Jesus Christ in our daily lives. Amen. I invite you to stand as together we affirm our faith in God using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty. You may be seated, and let us worship God by giving.
3: He was pierced for our transgression, crushed for our sin, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him by his wounds by his wounds we are healed he was pierced for our transgressions crushed for our sins the punishment that brought us peace was upon him By his wounds, by his wounds, we are healed. We are healed by your sacrifice and the life
0: Crushed for our sins
3: The punishment that brought us peace Was upon Him By His wounds the life that you gave we are healed for you paid the price by your grace we are saved we are saved For our transgression crushed for our sin the punishment that brought us peace was upon him by his wounds by his wounds What can wash show? Nothing but the blood
0: of Jesus. Stand and sing with us.
1: Of God in your heart, and with the knowledge that you are witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus. Amen.